Okay, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of EdTech Today. I'm Kevin Hogan. I'm glad you found us. Uh, very special guest today, Al Kingsley, Group Managing Director and CEO of NetSupport. Al, thanks so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Good to be here. We've had the uh, we've had the, the pleasure of, of speaking both in person and virtually. Uh, unfortunately, virtually uh, these past two years, but many years uh, stuffed elbows on the on the show floor uh, of this uh, and other ed tech uh, events. Uh, looking like we're still going to be virtual for a while, although as we were just mentioning before the recording, that that bet seems like it might be full steam ahead, huh? Yeah, it looks like there's a there's certainly an appetite and an effort. So I come under the term of ambition that um, bet will crack on in January, and we've got a um, big event in the Middle East in Dubai, Jess, that's at the end of the year. Um, and I think everybody's um, you know keen to get back out and, and re-engage with with friends and colleagues and start you know chewing the fat on what's been happening. Right, right. So to give a little background on on net support, uh, you've been in the tech space for thirty years. Uh, if, do you we mind? Have. Do you mind me dating you that, that way? <laughs> so Honestly, it's, it's, it's deceptive from my youth, but yes, we have been in the space <laughs> just just over thirty years now. Yeah, and you and your and your software is is operating on eighteen million different devices around the planet. Yeah, we um, we we continue to grow. Obviously, always looking to grow more. But one of the nice things is, I think you know, some of the core functionality that we develop is you know it's universally relevant. That's the most important thing, and and absolutely is work we use it all around the world. And uh, as being an A-type uh, such as yourself, uh, during the pandemic, all I could do was remember my mask to get to the supermarket. Uh, you penned a book. So let's, let's, uh, there, there's so many different ways we can go in this conversations, but I want to start with the news. You've released a new book out. Uh, talk about uh, my secret ed tech diary. Absolutely. Well, you've alluded to the 30 years. So I reached the tipping point, which is if I didn't put pen to paper soon, I might start forgetting the salient points. So that was a good catalyst for it. But, you know, in, in seriousness, you know, a lot's happened in the last 18 months and, and, and lots of it, of course, has been really challenging. Um, but with all challenges comes opportunity. And I think it has been a, a real amplifier for um, reflection and progress in the ed tech space particularly. So, yeah, I wanted to put down in words, um, not just my reflections of how things have moved over the last um, 30 years, but really focusing on the, on the pace of change the last couple of years how different schools and districts around the world, in fact, have, have adapted, the ideas that have come to the fore, uh, and alongside that, the opportunities there are moving forwards. And the one thing that really resonated with me, and, and you know, I'm very fortunate, I spend my life engaging with schools around the world, um, is that initial response to the word EdTech. And for every person who you can see the little lights glint in the eyes and they think, yes, this is my topic I've been trying to get you know, voice for in my, in my school or district for years, there are many where it becomes a slightly startled deer in the headlights and a bit of fear and trepidation. You know, that's the realm of the techies. And so my first thing was, I'm probably good because I'm possibly not capable of it, was I didn't want to make it a research book. It's not meant to be a, you know, a full practice in that regard. It was very much a case of edtech is everybody's business. Everybody involved in education, irrespective of your role, um, should be feeding into aspirations, expect um, you know, expectations, the frustrations and pinch points that they have in terms of delivering their job um, and their ideas about how they could better collaborate, coordinate, whatever it might be. So I kind of started it with, I want this to be really accessible, a book that anybody can pick up wherever they are on that technical journey. Um, and I suppose it not only tries to answer some of the questions, 
but more importantly, kind of shapes how all these different things are connected together and poses the questions they should be asking. And that's really being mindful of the fact that every school and every district is different. They'll be at a different point on their journey. They'll have a different cohort of staff and students and confidence levels associated. And as we know, they'll have a broad spectrum of solutions that they've chosen to build their foundations on. So who am I to say which is the right or wrong solution? What's better is how to reflect and question whether you're satisfied with what you've got and perhaps just kind of open the eyes to some of the alternative routes or what others have been doing in parallel. Yeah. So um, it's it's a bit of your own self-reflection, but also as a result of your conversations with these ed tech leaders. Uh, is, is that accurate? Yeah, absolutely. I think the one thing that is, is probably an extra differentiator um, is that I've been very fortunate to have a career where I've spent 30 years straddled the fence between being a vendor and working in the education space with my academy roles in the UK. And so I also wanted to include a section about the edtech space from a vendor's perspective. And that might seem a bit of a, whoa, hang on a second, from, a, from an educator's perspective. But actually, the more you understand the mindset of a, of, a, of a vendor, how the process goes about developing and more importantly, maintaining solutions, the better informed you are as the customer to ask the right questions, to provide the right challenge. Uh, and I also meet many people like your good selves, I'm sure that does the same, where often the questions are about, I'm a teacher, I've got a great idea for a product. How do I go about turning it into something for real that can benefit my colleagues and peers? So I also wanted to include a few kind of starters for 10 and pointers as to the things to consider, the process to flow through and, and how you can take those ideas and turn them into reality. You know, after all, this is a sector that's all about sharing. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, I, in, in my own conversations over the past 18 months, there have been so many different um, disruptions, new perceptions, uh, myths being busted um, that used to be kind of you know, standard operating procedure for ed tech, you know, for instance, I mean, really, what this really has been the greatest beta test in ed tech history, right, in terms of the use of technologies, both vanilla ones, like the one we're using now in Zoom, as well as more precise ones, like, you know, your, your technologies, and really just putting things to the test that never really had been put to test before. Um, the other thing too, I think very much in terms of the perceptions on the use of technology. And now I know when I used to cover it, there always used to be a lot of teacher resistance uh, in terms of the use of it. Sometimes it was because they were afraid that technology was gonna somehow replace them in the classroom. That somehow, yeah. uh, and now that myth has been completely busted, right? I mean, so the, the use of human faculty members and teachers are more important than ever. We realize that they're more important than ever and that the technology is enabler, right? It's not a replacement, but an enabler. Talk a little bit about your, your perception. You are, you're spot on, Kevin. Um, you know, I think that, that that myth that was you nicely encapsulated there is that it's kind of summed up in that, you know, surely teachers teach and geeks geek and there the twain do meet. And of course, what we've proven absolutely, you know, and it's all part of co-production and schools building their, their digital journey is actually, it's all about multiple stakeholders. And it's never about one exclusive voice has the answers to all the questions, you know? You know it'd be fantastic if, if somebody knew all the answers to all those bits, but of course it comes from so many different strands. So you're right, until you get put into a position where it's actually challenged, it's very easy anecdotally to come, come up with a list of reasons why not, why we don't need extra tech in our schools, why what we're doing is all about purely about 
pedagogy practice or um, or why conversely you know why the the holy grail if we add these devices magically our, our, our student outcomes will increase by x percent and what we've had and, and this has been the real amplifier i think is we've been forced and the first thing we've been forced to do is take risks uh, and selected risks but schools had to very quickly adapt and say let's go and grab solutions that allow us to take our provision and put some kind of blended model online um, and by taking risks naturally you learn lessons you learn things that work well you learn things that don't work well but there are always positives that you can pull from that and so we've absolutely seen that far from this kind of mindset and it probably comes into the most frequently you know the ai debate well ai will just take over and replace teachers well you know wakey wakey the thing we've seen more than ever has been that rec that realization that the most important part of a learning experience is that human to human interaction, the thing that makes a teacher a teacher and, and their interaction with children. But what we've also learned and we've seen is that exactly as you say, that facilitator role, there have been things that technology have done that we would have been really stuck without. And we've also seen where we've got a growing pressure on teachers to do what they do best. That EdTech has a role to play in supporting that now that support might be in terms of time saving the automatic you know collection and delivery and assessment of certain um, evidence it might be in terms of um, speeding up communication and the feedback loop which is important to learning it can also be that in parallel to the the normal teaching and learning that additional support for personalized learning where technology can take children through pathways to build on their their compound knowledge levels and develop it so instead of going from this um, you know, slightly Orwellian view that tech will take over from everything, what we've seen is there's actually a really, really relevant symbiosis here. It's that Venn diagram again, isn't it? You know, Humans are good at some things, computers are good at other things, and actually the overlap's quite slim, for now at least. So quite the opposite. I think we've reassured some that tech's not going to take over, but rather than fear it, we need to embrace it. And the best way to then embrace it is always going to be, but there are so many choices. So how do I even dip into this pool of these fantastic things that you're talking about, Al? Um, and so the market and the conversation has moved on to more about research informed and peer assessed and, and getting those case studies and actually supporting. And there's a whole lot more narrative now about making the right choices, which is good because it means we've got an appetite for making choices. Yeah. Yeah. So here in the US, um, I keep hearing uh, in my conversations that this is the moment. This is an inflection point that because of the pandemic and because of the response to the pandemic, not only by the industry immediately, but now with the promise of government funds, really trying to tackle the ideas of uh, digital inequity uh, mm. in terms of bandwidth and, and in terms of technology, but also just more in a general sense, a new awareness of the importance of education and the essential need of ed tech to support that education. How do you see your relationship changing with school districts or the way in which they acquire technology, the way they implement it? A few of my, my more recent conversations, I've heard a lot more about the state governments becoming more involved in the acquisition of the technology and kind of implementing that across school districts. Yeah. Talk, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to rephrase that sentence you said about now's that kind of opportunity. I'm going to just add a little word in there, could be, because it all depends on how we choose to respond. But there's a natural persuasion with everything else on the table to just shrink back to the way we did things before. And those newly acquired skills and confidence gets lost. And actually confidence is a driver for a lot of this. 
people having confidence with the tools and having confidence in ways to measure impact. Because that's what really drives whether you're going to do more of something is whether you can really measure in different ways how those things have had benefit. I think in terms of relationships with schools, you know, th there are different pathways and many vendors are already very adept at it. So it's far from me to be um, providing that kind of direction of travel. But what I think we've recognized is that in the same way as we need to be talking about a longer term plan for education. And that's a common factor around the world. You know, typically, you know, interactions with education tend to be within electoral cycles and often are short fixes. And actually, when we're talking about the impact on young learners, we're talking longer term. So, so now there's a, an opportunity for vendors to have their relationships directly with school districts, but much more moving away from that, here's my shiny brochure, how many copies would you like to buy? It really needs to be about how we can look at ways to co-produce, how we can offer things for free in return for advice that will help shape and optimize the solutions that we do. We've also learned in terms of adoption, if we want technology to be effectively embedded, um, the previous idea that the more features makes your product better, right, has actually been revised with the more usable a solution, the more device agnostic a solution, the more flexible a solution where it's not constrained by geography to be just in the classroom or out. The more choice we give, the more likely it is schools that will take that on board, embed it, and ultimately have impact from it. So we're kind of shifting the landscape to not, not what we think people will like, not a power battle in terms of the, who's got the most complex solution, but actually working with educators and recognizing that, again, no one person has the answer. As, as vendors, we have awareness and capacity of the opportunity that technology provides, but the customer understands what will have the biggest impact for them. Mm. And the reason why we need this joined up is because development takes time. So if you're always looking at the spotlight of what do we need today within the classroom, by the time you've developed, tested, and implemented what you've got, the odds are you're already going to be missing that target, that the, the needs will have started to shift and move. And sometimes that's based on what's happening within education. More often than not, it's a change from the technology platforms and, and bases that we're actually adopting. So it's much more effective to kind of take that focal point, look slightly ahead and aim for that. And then at the point where you deliver, you're actually going to be on target with what the customer needs. And that requires something really important for vendors, which is a bit of self-reflection, you know, as we've done within Net Support, which is recognizing those solutions that have been fantastic and fit for purpose for many years maybe in the new landscape, they need a bit of revision. Maybe you need to be bold enough to say, actually, we're going to have to develop something different. And I think that confidence, if you do it again, engage with stakeholders, engage with school leaders, and more importantly, those different stakeholders within a school to make sure that you've got equality, accessibility, and all those other factors, you're actually much more likely to be successful. So the could really is, you're right, there's an opportunity. There's more kit in schools than there's ever been. There's potentially more funding, although the longevity of it is what is key to that sustainability. But, but money and kit doesn't make the solution. It's how collectively educators and vendors choose to apply that and put the right tools in place that will genuinely have a positive benefit. So would it be fair to say uh, in listening to your answers that you are encouraged that there is a new culture of risk-taking on both the educator side as well as the vendor side and that maybe if we um whatever we go back to whatever normal is that we could kind of continue that that culture of riskiness which really in the past 
people talk about kids, they talk about students, they, they don't want to talk about risk, right? But um, yeah, and I think we, we always put the little caveat around the word risk. You know, it's like a it's like a big try because risk will always ring alarm bells for others. And I think the other thing that schools have learned and developed over recent years is is the other side of risk, whether it's the online safety or the data protection privacy issues. Mm. So this is really about risk, about reaching outside your comfort zone and looking at technologies. And I always try and encapsulate in that conversation, which is if you've got a way of doing something in your classroom and your immediate default is to go find a solution that fits that process, it will work, but your pace of innovation will be much slower than if you go and look at the tools that are available outside your classroom and consider changing the way that you do things within it with those tools. Hmm. So it's really about trying to look and say, be bold, be brave, look at how other schools, other districts are actually adopting technology and be willing to change your practice to leverage the maximum benefit from those kind of new solutions that are available. But again, the confidence comes from, well, where's the backing to give me the evidence that these solutions really do what, what they say on the tin? Do they yeah. have the impact? Yeah. What do my peers say and so on? There's one other aspect I, I, I'm inspired uh, from our conversation here is the idea of a new teacher agency in terms of last spring, um, they were left to their own devices, both uh, literally and figuratively in terms of reaching out to t kids and getting kids. And so uh, a lot of teachers found out that they can develop their own curriculum by the use of research on the internet and, and finding apps and finding other things. How has that changed um, the marketplace, let's say, for ed tech? Do teachers have much more, do, do you see teachers having more of a say in what's implemented than before? I do, and I have to say, and rightly so. I'm not a fan of the centralized approach when it comes to technology. And I can take that centralized approach, whether we mean on a national level, or frankly, or even in some cases down to district level. Because what we recognize is on that mindset of every class is different, every student's different, every teacher's confidence level are different. Trying to apply a fixed prescriptive measure and framework on the way we do things can be very restrictive and, and, and limit the ability for different teachers to innovate, which is what we're always looking to try and achieve. Now, there are some things that need to be common, the way that we store student information and data and report on them. But when it comes to the tools, we, we do need to recognize that that ability to go out and shop within the, the appropriate purchasing guidelines that many districts now have, a very well-structured way of, of selecting solutions that tick all the right boxes. I think empowers educators to start to move the narrative forward more themselves. Mm. And what that means in terms of the change of the landscape is instead of rocking up to a school district and, and talking to a few key stakeholders, you've actually got to engage with the people that are going to be using, living, breeding these products. And that comes as a double-edged sword for a vendor, because on one hand, it means that you can engage much more with the stakeholders using platforms like Twitter and others where you can talk to the educators. Uh, and there's another plus, of course, with that, which is you can get feedback, you can get insights, you can get advice because you know, the communities that are online are very open and willing to share their thoughts and ideas, which I take as a huge plus. The double-edged sword, of course, is that if you over-promise and under-deliver, you'll get heard out pretty, pretty quickly. Yeah. And so it puts the sharpness back on. Before you go promising the earth, make sure you can back it up because if you don't, people will tell you, and rightly yeah. so. And so I think it's changed. It's a slight power shift. You know, in the same way as it's really positive, there's a fantastic opportunity for vendors to innovate and deliver new technology with that extra spotlight on the ed tech space. 
uh, rightly also empowers teachers to be much more um, direct about what they need, what works, what doesn't work, and what they want and why. Yeah. I knew the toughest part of this conversation now would be to, to end it. We can go on. <laughs> There's so Absolutely. many, there are so many things that are, that are happening and it's such a quick pace and, uh, and at a, in a, in a positive trajectory, uh, I'm hopeful. It seems that uh, as we go forward, that um, these accelerations are only for the better uh, for not only the industry, but for the, for the students and for, for the children that you're providing. So I appreciate you and your, your time and the work of net support and your other work in terms of advocating for both the industry and education in general. And uh, look forward to when we can um, meet each other and have a podcast face-to-face uh, -face, uh, soon. Me too, sir. Look after yourself. Great, thanks. And thanks everyone for watching. And I hope you click around and find another episode soon.